Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is December 27th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is love. And since this is taking from our Previous message on Sunday, which was Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas to you, and this is our Christmas message. The word is love today, and so let's just jump right into it, because God is love, and Christmas is love. You know, much of Christmas is celebrated in song. I hope you all have the ability to sing some Christmas carols this year. And can you hear the message of redemption in Christmas? Can you hear the rhythms of grace this time of year? Do you know where the song comes from? Are you prepared for the king's arrival? You know, there's a lot of clutter in our lives today in this time and culture. It keeps us from sometimes hearing that true message that comes around in Christmas. We sometimes get immune to the words peace, joy, good news. You know, ultimately, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating a new life in Christ. It's more than just a baby. It's a celebration that we have become a new creation in Jesus Christ because the Word became flesh. Let's just go ahead and jump in to our scriptures today from the lectionary. We're going to start off with 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 16. And it reads, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded my shepherd, my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheephold, from the following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all the enemies from before you, and made you a great name, like the name of great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint 
a place for my people Israel and will plant them, and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall their sons of wicked, wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, I know this is not a typical Christmas type of passage to read. But it really does contain a scripture message. See, here in this passage, David is king and God has established him. He's established him as king. He's given him peace. All his enemies are defeated. He's built himself a a palace to live in. And now he's sitting there in this time of prosperity. He's reached his pinnacle. Everything has been accomplished. And in this moment of thinking about the good things, he thinks about the Lord. And as he thinks about the Lord, it hits him that, that God is dwelling in a tabernacle. That's tent. That's, that's a tent. The ark of God where the presence of God sits is outside in a tent. It's been that way since Moses uh, came out of Egypt with Israel and he gave them the plans for the tabernacle. It's, it's always been that way. And suddenly David thinks about this and he goes, this is terrible. How can I be sitting in this nice palace? How can my people be sitting in homes? How can we be living like this? And we just forgot about God and left him outside in the tent. And so he calls Nathan the prophet. Now, this is important because we're seeing David's heart. David wasn't being selfish. This wasn't like a, a selfish thought or an evil thought he's having. And he actually inquires to the prophet about building God a house. And the prophet Nathan says, go do it. Do what's in your heart. God is with you. And this is one of those times that these people that say if a prophet gave a prophecy or gave a word and it didn't come true, that you should stone him. Um, this is one of those times that those same people would be yelling stone Nathan. Because David inquired of a prophet and the prophet gave him a word, but the word was not from God. That's what happened. Nathan said, I'll go and do whatever is in your heart. God is with you. Because it sounded like a good thing. See, David is doing this out of a sincere heart. Nathan believes that. And it just sounds good. Yeah, God's with you. God's always been with you. This is something that sounds like comes from my heart that loves God. Go do it. But that night, the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, no, that's not how this is going to go. Now, we know in history that it was Solomon, David's son, that built the temple. And David used the rest of his life just to prepare for Solomon so he would have everything he needed. But the word of God was not for David to do this. And the word, which is really interesting, because you go back 
and you look at it, and at the end of verse 11, now verse 11 is a couple of sentences long, but at the end of it, it says, um, let me get this right here. It says, and also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. The Lord will make you a house. It's real easy for us to hear that, and we immediately think of, oh, he's talking about the house of David, and Solomon's going to do it, and Solomon will build the home and that the house. But like so much scripture, especially when it comes to prophecy, prophecy very rarely just has a, a simple one-time meaning. I know there's some people out there that's throwing a fit on all this. No, a lot of prophecy had a, a a current meaning. Like, yes, he's talking about Solomon. He's talking about David's house. But it's also there's a prophetic prophecy about Jesus. This is a word about the Messiah. You know, and so much of this. You know, how is you know the the kingdom is established forever through Jesus, not because of David. It's all about Jesus. Now, yes, Jesus came from the house of David. But it's about Jesus. It's more about Jesus than it is about David. Uh, I mean, Jesus was going to come from somebody's house. And whatever house he came from, that was going to be the house that everyone talked about forever and ever and ever. It came out of the lineage of David. It came out of the lineage of Judah. You know, this is the lineage of Christ. And you can call it the house of David. You can call it the house of Judah. You could... You, I mean, you could call it the house of Noah. You can call it the house of Adam. It, it, it's anyone that's in his lineage, you could call it the house of. Be, and it would be correct. But it's because of Jesus that makes that house special. Not from the, the human aspect of that. No matter how much we would like for it to be that way, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And even the idea of the seed. And he's going to call him the son. It's... It, it's not so much about Solomon as much as it is about Jesus. And so he's going to make a house. You know, just, just a few days ago, I, I was wrapping up a class in Old Testament survey, and I, I looked at a prophecy in, in, in Haggai about the building of the temple. And, you know, we are the temple of the Lord. It says that in Corinthians. You know, it, we are the temple of, of the Lord. When Jesus stood before Herod's temple and all of his glory and built and everything, and he said to his disciples and the people, tear down this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Everyone thought he was talking about Herod's temple because that, they thought that was the temple of God. When he was referring to God's temple, he was referring to his body himself. If You know, when we crucified Jesus in three days, he raised himself up. Because God doesn't live in a building built by human hands. You see, when David thought of God living out there in the tent, and he was cut to the heart, and he went to God, and I want to build this, God's reply was, I will build you a house. God will build himself a house. We, you and I, are to serve as the house, the temple, the dwelling place of God. When we celebrate Christmas, we say Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yes, God is with us. God does not live in a building. One of the things that I hate, and I'm as guilty as anyone when I say this, but just because I'm guilty doesn't mean I agree with it. We are all guilty when we say, let's go to church. 
we, the people, are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. The church are the believers in Christ. You can't go to yourself. Either you are the church and God is with you, or you are not the church and God is not with you. And if God is not with you, then I guess you could go to the people who are the church and and inquire of the Lord from them. But you don't have to go to God. God is already with you. He is with you. I see this amongst many denominational leaders when they're scratching their heads and they're talking about the complexity of what is the church and the ever-changing. And, and they get all this big words and let's debate the topic and let's talk about it. And then some of them are very defensive. I heard one guy ramble on about parachurches and how they're not the church. I'm, I hate to tell him, but his his denomination and his building in Sinai Front isn't the church either. The church is the believers. It is the bride of Christ. It is the believers of Jesus Christ. It's not an organization. If you think an organization makes you a church, then you're theologically incorrect. Now, I'm not against buildings, and I'm not against organizations. They are what they are, and they're needed like any tool in building, we need them to operate. But the church is the people of God. And so when the people of God gather, it doesn't matter whether they're under some formal organization that's got the name and a building and a sign out front that says, look, we're a legit group. Or some people meeting in a home somewhere without any, quote unquote, spiritual authority over them. If there's a group of believers gathered, that's the church where two or three or more gathered. There he is. And either that is true or it's not true. See, it's religion that wants to put God in a box. It's religion that wants to say God exists in this building. God exists with this denomination and no one else has him. And that's one thing that when David was doing this, David was not wanting to create something like this. He was just thinking, God has blessed me and I left him outside. But God's reply is, I'll make a house. He was going to make you and I, people, his home. He was going to be with us. Let's continue reading this and, and continuing this, this thought on Christmas time. We're in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this, his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And the angel, and he, excuse me, Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this is 
sounding more like a Christmas message, isn't it? Gabriel comes to Mary, says, Rejoice, highly favored one. Most of us know this from Christmas stories, reading Luke. But let's look into this. See, this is really the fulfillment of prophetically what happened to David in 2 Samuel. God is making for himself a house. There is a transformation coming upon the world because God is coming to make us a house. The word is about to become flesh. He's about to dwell amongst us. But unlike Zechariah, see, Zechariah doubted Gabriel's word earlier in Luke 1, and he became mute because of that. Mary didn't doubt, but she questioned because, you see, she understood a little bit about what was being said. And he goes to the angel, um, you know, rejoice, highly favored one with the Lord. You're blessed among women. Number one, do you understand that when God comes to you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you should rejoice because you were highly favored? I know some people say, you can't take this out of context like this. and say, I can because the Holy Spirit's been poured out on all flesh. It happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is now available to all of us. Anyone who believes, who cries out to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come and live inside you. That makes you favored. We're favored because there's not anything we did to deserve that. God just favored us. And he sent his spirit to overshadow you and I. The baptism of the spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. He empowers us to be witnesses for him. He lives inside of us. That's the favor of God. But you see, she was troubled with this because I just I don't understand this favor thing. And she goes, how is this going to be possible? How is this type of favor possible? And the angel says to her, what? Don't be afraid. You found favor. You're going to conceive in your womb, bring forth a son. He calls his name Jesus. He's going to be son of the highest, Lord God. Give him the throne of David. He's going to reign forever and ever. And then Mary says, how can this be since I do not know a man? Do you understand that she didn't doubt God on him reigning on the throne Forever and ever. She didn't doubt the idea of, of him being the son of the highest, being called the Lord God. Uh, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't, she just, her thing was, I believe the word, but I'm a virgin. And, and, and let me, let me, you gotta understand this. She heard it, she believed it, but she didn't consider this to be a future word. She considered it to be a now word. How do I know that? Because she goes, how can this be? I haven't known a man. You see, she heard it and she goes, this must be happening now. How can I be pregnant? I don't know a man. It wasn't in her mind, oh, I'll go get pregnant next year with Joseph. I mean, she was already betrothed. That means she was already going to be married. She already had a wedding date, the date that she's going to go do the sexual deed so that she could conceive. She already knew when that was going to happen. She knew. She could have very easily said, oh, this is for the future. That'll be for that day. And even if not, there was always a future time that that act could have happened. 
But when she heard the word from Gabriel, she, she believed it to be now. God is saying this now, and she believed it for now. And she said, how could this be? I don't know a man. See, that should excite us. Because when God speaks, we should be more like Mary. I know, I'm sounding Catholic. I'm not Catholic. There's no Catholic theology really in me. But this is Scripture. And we should all maybe be a little bit more like Mary where we hear the Word of God. It's a now thing. God is speaking to us now. And and God very, he didn't he didn't see this as doubt. He saw this as a person who believed but couldn't understand it because she believed the now word, but it was it was impossible in their current position. And so the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. This is why he's going to be called the Son of God. God's going to be the Father. There is no man that will do this to you. You don't have to go and have Joseph do this to you. God is just going to take care of it himself. That's why in Christian faith, it was the virgin who gave birth. God himself, miraculously through the Spirit of God, created the DNA match in her egg and her ovary. She didn't have to have a sexual act for God to do that in the womb. He did it. It was supernatural. And the angel says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And he even said to her, Elizabeth, who was called barren, is already six months in with her child. And, of course, Mary says at the end, Behold your maidservant of the Lord. Listen, this saying, Behold your maidservant, this is... This is sort of, she's not saying, okay, look at me. This is all about me. All you people bow down and worship me. I'm Mary, the, the highly favored one. That's not what that means. Behold, your maidservant of the Lord is the same sort of greeting you would do to a king when the king has given you a, a, a commission or an order or calls you forth to do something. And you say, behold, it's, it's your way of saying, yes, I, I will do your word. It is a very courteous response thing that you give to a king for saying you're going to do what they've told you to do. And we should all do that before the Lord. Behold your servant. Whatever you want, I I believe, let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you've said, I will carry it out. I will do it. And that's what she did. She she just believed it at that minute. If you say it's impossible, but with you it's not, then here I am, just do it. And of course, that's exactly what happened. God made a house. God made a temple for himself right there in her womb. He can he made flesh and blood. God the word became man. We should rejoice in that. Let's look at our last scripture passage in Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Romans 16, 25 through 27. It reads, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Just three verses there, but powerful. And it says right off the bat, it says what? Now to him, 
It's talking about God, Jesus, who is able to establish you. God wants to establish you. Remember, we started with David had been established. He'd been made king. God had established him. All of his enemies was defeated. And he was suddenly sitting there. Now, to God who's able to establish you. God wants to establish you according to what? How is he going to? According to the gospel. The good news. The preaching of Jesus Christ. The gospel that Jesus, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us and died on a cross for your sin, for my sin, and rose on the third day with victory over death and hell so that all who believe in him and call upon his name can be saved. According to that, we are established. According, it goes on, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. What's the mystery? The mystery is that The word became flesh, that God became a man, that God came. He became the second Adam to save you and I from our sin and darkness. That was the mystery, and it has been revealed. It's revelation. It's been revealed to us. It says, but now made manifest. Yes, that mystery, that what God was going to become flesh, became manifest. He did become flesh. And by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. That's what I've done most of the years. I've been taking some of the scriptures and just prophetically proclaiming this to Second Samuel. It's a prophetic scripture. God's going to make himself a house. It's prophetic. Yes, it was talking about David and event there, but it was something prophetic in the future that happened to Mary. Jesus Christ came as flesh. He established himself a house. And today it's even still happening prophetically. Emmanuel, God with us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. To be made known to all nations, the Holy Spirit what lives in us. Acts to make us witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. According to the commandment of the everlasting God. See, God, God, God commands, God commands his spirit to fill all flesh. God, God wants us to be his temple. It's not like he's, he's saying, well, I guess maybe. No, he's commanded us to be his temple, to be his house. Why? For the obedience to the faith. Obedience to the faith. See, we're not supposed to be obedient to the law. We're not supposed to be obedient to some religious ritual. We're not supposed to be obedient to a building outside with a name on it or to a denomination or some man-made system of leaders. We're supposed to be obedient to faith. To faith. Faith of what? Faith that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, has come to save me. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my God. Like Mary, behold your servant. Do it. Let it be done to me according to your word, faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forevermore. Amen. How powerful is that? That Jesus Christ has manifested himself to you and I. And that he's called us. To be obedient to faith, to that faith in him, to trust in him, 
that he will be with us forever. That, my friends, is a love that's worth rejoicing. That is a love of God to want to come and dwell in our hearts. David started off with this love of, I've forgotten God and I want to build a house to God saying, I love you, you be my house. That is his cry to you and I today as we celebrate this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. Jesus, we thank you that you want to live in us and in our lives. Holy Spirit, come and pour out into our hearts. Pour out into us. Fill us with yourself, God. Help us to be those witnesses, God, that will testify to you to the very ends of the earth, to our neighbors and to our friends, God. Fill us with your love this season, God. Help us to hear your message, God. Help us to get in step with the celebration of heaven and celebrate you. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we thank you for listening to this series, Words for Life. We have one more left for the year 2023. I hope you check it out next week. Also, check out the other teachings if you've missed them. They're up on our website at www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Yeah.